Hello, everybody, and welcome to the 80th episode of If We Can Just Say. As always, I'm your host, Jessica Carter Ogle, and with me is my husband, Stephen Ogle, who you might have just heard go, (laughs) he's just like a little bird. Yeah, I mean, uh, wow, 80 episodes. Yeah. All right. The podcast is almost up to your actual age. (laughs) Close. 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 Not quite. Close. Still got a few more years to go. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So happy Monday. Happy Monday indeed. We're recording on a Monday again because why? Because uh, we were just exhausted. Because it's been officially nine days since we have solely been in Michigan. And this is the first day that I feel like a human person. And I still don't feel like a human person because I started training class with work. And so I spent the entire day star- staring at my screen. Yeah. More than usual. Um, yeah. I just, yeah, I'm not, I'm, I'm exhausted. And I've got to do labs when we're done recording. I've got to come back down here and do my labs. I made the call to not record yesterday. And then my drive home today, I was like, I wish we had recorded yesterday. Yeah. Leave it, little girl. If you heard those noises, there was a little girl knocking into my mic stand. Yeah. She's checking Um, it out. Anyway. Yeah. Yeah, But I, I, I got up and ran this morning before work for the first time since we left for our trip. So I feel like an absolute success today. I feel like I looked at Monday and said, what in your face? Winner. (laughs) Sure. You don't have any of that, do you? No, I have none of that today. Um, I'm, I'm doing my best. I'm doing my best. Also, it's 83 degrees. On October 2nd in Michigan, the leaves are changing colors and I'm sweating. I'm very confused. I don't like it. I didn't know how to get dressed today. I, I wore a sweater like a fool. I did go outside for a couple minutes on the patio and and watch the pup run around for a minute. Um, but that lasted about, I don't know, two minutes. And I got in my car after work and I was hot. I was like, <gasps> summer hot. Summer hot. Summer hot. Woo. Anywho. Cool. Yeah. What else is new, man? Um, I did three concerts this week, one of which I'll talk about later, which was uh, Fit for a King because it ties into our album anniversaries. But uh, the other bands I, I saw was Explosions in the Sky. Let's see. Well, I saw Fit for a King on Sunday, the Sunday after we got the back from the day trip. day after. We got yeah. to our house about 10 o'clock Saturday night, and this fool goes to a concert Sunday night. Let me tell y'all, I was not even alive Sunday night. Yeah. Now, the, the I can't, it was Counterparts. Um, I can't remember the other band's name. Uh, crap. They were from France. I can't remember their name. Ho, 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 ho. Counterparts, I think, name? was from Canada. And then Fit for a King and Devil Wars Prada. I left after Fit for a King because no offense to Devil Wars Prada, but I've seen that I saw them earlier this year and the show was yeah. It was meh for me. So meh. I was I was tired and I was like I looked at Ricky and I was like, I'm out of here. But I'll talk more about Fit for a King in a little bit. Uh but that was Sunday. Then Tuesday I met Jared at the same place and saw explosions in the sky, which if y'all don't know who Explosions in the Sky are, uh, they are an instrumental band. They have a drummer. They have three guitar players and a bass player. And one of the guitar players and the bass player both can play guitar and bass, and they do throughout the show. They trade back and forth. Sometimes there's two basses. Sometimes there's uh, three guitars and a bass, but there's always some sort of combination there, and they trade back and forth. No vocals. Uh, they had an opening act that was... 
oh, man, they need some work. Uh, they were okay at best. It probably. Have, I don't think I've ever heard any of this stuff. I don't think you've ever played any for me. Uh, Explosions in the Sky? Yeah. I have definitely played it. You just probably don't recognize it. For those of you that may have seen the movie Friday Night Lights um, with Billy Bob Thornton, they did the entire soundtrack. Mm-hmm. And it is brilliant. It is absolutely brilliant. They write their music like they are composers and it's an orchestral with electric electric guitars, electric bass, and drums. Cool. It's fantastic. Some of the coolest music you'll ever hear. But they walked out on stage, and one of the guitar players had a mic in front of him, and he just talked to the crowd for a minute. Was like, "Hey, you know, Detroit's a special city to us. We have a lot of connections here, and we're really happy to be here tonight. We are Explosions in the Sky." And then they played for an hour fifteen, like almost no break. They didn't do any encore. They played several songs from the Friday Night Light soundtrack and a bunch of their other so- albums. And then they got done. And he walked back up to the mic and he was like, thanks, everybody. We've been in explosions in the sky. We hope to see you guys again soon. It was so cool because it was like, like I said, it's like hearing an orchestra, but with guitars, bass, and drums. Yeah. So like an orchestra doesn't talk to you in between songs. They right. don't say hi or anything like that. But the music swells and raise in volume crescendo decrescendo like those sort of things are what talks to you the audience and when it when they drop their volume down you're leaning in like you would for an orchestra and then when they bring the music back up you're you're leaning back and you're you know we were standing Mm -hmm. so we weren't in chairs uh but fantastic i can't recommend this band enough they have one album called the earth is not a cold dead place and that's the first album I heard, and one of the songs on there is on the Friday Night Light soundtrack. And, mm. man, they're so good. So good. Cool. Uh, but that's the first time Jared and I had ever seen them, and we were just blown away. Could not, literally could not believe what we saw. We stood there while people were filing out, just, like, talking about it, just going, man, I, I don't even I don't even understand what I just saw in some ways. Like, it's just crazy. So good. Cool. That was Tuesday, and then you and I turned around on Saturday and went and saw Kip Moore in Toledo. Yeah. That was our fifth, our fourth Kip Moore concert. <laughs> Kip Moore and the Cadillac 3. Yeah. Um, for me, the sound quality was not great for Cadillac 3. I think the sound mm-hmm. man just didn't mix them right because I couldn't hear the lead singer very well. Yeah. We were third row from the front. Which so, was awesome. So I we should be able to hear the singer very well, yeah. but I really couldn't. He sound muddled a lot of the time. When we saw Kit Moore for the first time, we saw him at a bar in Royal Oak. It was a Bud Light dive bar crawl. Dive bar tour. tour. And I won tickets. And there was only 200 people there. Maybe, yeah. If that. And we were standing close. There was no seats. But this concert was a big concert in a theater. But being third row gave me that feeling again. Like, oh, yeah, yeah there's people behind me. I totally forgot. Yeah. Wow. You know, and uh, I, I will say, we've talked about on this podcast before, uh, tickets for Taylor Swift, Luke Combs, Blink One Eighty Two, like Zach the, Bryan. Zach Bryan. The prices for all these tickets being absolutely outrageous and insane, and how they can control their ticket prices. We sat third row from the front for Kip Moore for eighty five dollars each ticket. Yep. Like, they can control it if they want to. And that was a very large venue. And he goes through AXS. Uh, this, this wasn't even through AXS for this show. It was through E-Tix. E-Tix. E-Tix, which is the same thing that, um, the Glenn Hansard Swell Season Tour was. Yep. But yeah, E-Tix. And it was great. 
Yeah. And I understand the volume might be a little bit bigger for somebody like Taylor Swift than somebody like Kit Moore. But I will say this till I'm blue in the face. If they want to make tickets more accessible and priced better for their fans, they could do it. I mean, for my in the news section, not to go forward, but um, the insane new like merch sales and things for the Chiefs because Taylor Swift is dating Travis Kelsey is insane. Yeah, people insane. are losing their minds. They're selling more tickets and merch, and there's more viewers because people are watching for Taylor Swift. So yep. you mean to tell me that she couldn't take on Ticketmaster if she wanted to? Did you send me the thing about the girl or, or the uh, passenger for a plane getting drunk and throwing up because they were taking shots every time they saw Taylor on TV? No, during that the game wasn't me. Yeah, they had to delay a ga- uh, uh, delay a flight because uh, one of the passengers was throwing up from taking shots every time they saw Taylor Swift come on the screen. I mean, first of all, that's stupid, and they were being overserved in an airport, so that's a whole nother conversation. Yeah. But nonetheless, yeah. So, I mean, yep. Taylor Swift could fix the world if she wanted to. But uh, to get back to Kip Moore. Apologies. To get back to Kip Moore, he played 26 songs live. And he played my favorite song, is Faith When I Fall. It's on his first album. I've seen him four times. He never plays it live. People talk about how he never plays it live. And let me tell you, I like teared up because he played it live. 26 songs. That is what's that is what's insane. I was looking back through uh, some of the bands I've seen recently and the set list for them and stuff like that. And most of those set lists were about 14 or 15 songs. And Kip Moore played... 26 or 27 songs. He's great live. His band is great. They're all into it. They get oh, more in the slow hearts. They have They have a blast. a blast. And they extend some of their songs. He played over by a half hour. Yep. Like he told us second or third song in. He's like, if you guys are, are, are great and feeling it with us tonight, he's like, I got no problem going over. So just... Just keep aware if you guys keep the energy up and keep feeding us energy, like we're gonna we're gonna go over. Though the time. I will say he's gone over every time I've seen him. He has. He has. He has a good fan base. He sells out places like he does. And, and the venue we were in held what would you say? Probably two thousand. I'm so bad at that. Who two thousand, three thousand people. We, it's it's almost the size of state theater. We were in Toledo seeing him. Toledo's about a little over an hour from us and it was weird having someone put Toledo not Detroit and Ohio not Michigan. And I wore red and in hindsight I was like I should not have wore red to Ohio, go blue. And like he's <laughs> I was like, This is weird. I forget. Like yeah, I don't raucously cheer when he says "Hello, Toledo," because I was like, Rrr. and then he did something that I thought was interesting. If you go to his web store and buy his tour T-shirts, they're black with the logos on them, and then you know the the tour info cities on the back. But at the show, the sh- the tour shirt's not black; it's a different color, mm-hmm. same design and everything, but it's just different colors. And I thought I thought that was really slick. Cause like if he sees one, Slick, eh? yeah. If he you sees one like, out in the like wild, like my mom. If he sees one out in the wild, he'll be like, "Oh, that person actually went to my show." Speaking of him noticing people's shirts, here's how big of a nerd my husband is. <laughs> he was getting dressed, and he wanted. He was about to wear his this purple T-shirt he has that says Portland, but he was like, "Oh my gosh, I can't wear this shirt to the concert because what if he sees me and is like, we've got a Portland f- person from Portland here in the house, and I'm not from Portland." <laughs> And that would happen to me. And I was like, wow. That would actually happen to me, so I did not do that. Oh I, I wore my God. Sierra Hall shirt. 
So, yeah, good times. Man, great show. Yeah. Go see Kip Moore. He's uh, he's on a world tour, so uh, go see him. He's I think he's going to Canada. So any of our uh, Canadian listeners, he, he'll be up there in Ontario soon. Cool. Yeah. Yeah, it was a great show. Yep. What else great we got show. on the list here? Um, those of you who are able to and not needle adverse, I encourage you to donate blood. I donated blood on Thursday. I will admit I've gotten lazy about it. I used to donate every, I think you can donate every two months maybe because November is my next time. So maybe a month and a half. I used to work at Garden City Hospital. We had blood drives all the time. I worked at U of M at school at Ross School of Business. I organized the blood drive. So I would donate all the time. And since the pandemic, I have not donated and I'm trying to get back into that. So cool. go out there. It's a really easy way to save a life. Yeah. We took Soph to the vet. She's doing good. We saw my family last week after we got back from our trip. They had been on a trip for a weekend, and then the next two weekends was our trip. So we hadn't seen them in a few weeks, so it was nice to go over there. Yeah. My dad's birthday is this Saturday, and we're um, hosting a little something. So. Yeah. Yeah. Good times. Good stuff. So fun stuff. It was, it's been a, it was a good week. It was just hard to settle back into life. Oh, it's it's been very w- busy. And then this week with me having the class and doing labs and stuff after work, it's just going to be another week. And of, we're going out of town next week. Yeah. So like, <laughs> so I'm I'm not going to be um, rested well probably until after we're back from that trip, which will be you know October. Old pretty much be halfway more than halfway over by let then. me tell and you i'm not looking forward i'm to trying it. to make plans with a friend and october shot november basically shot for like the weekends and then even looking during the week i'm like oh my god and i just don't want to do any of it i just i, I i'm i'm so tired right now i just don't want to be i know a part i'm turning into like an anti-social like <laughs> homebody which you should love you crept into my soul disgusting uh so speaking of homebody i i caught a little bit of football this week not much uh, as as our schedules were busy and all the college games were during the kip moore show most of them are on our travel to the kip moore show uh detroit uh squashed green bay on uh, thursday 34 to 20 go go uh, lions that was awesome i saw th- last week i i talked about miami destroying the uh, Denver Broncos, 70-20. to 20. Yeah. I, I love to report the fact that this week they lost 48-20. to 20. Good. Buffalo Bills put the hurting on them. Good. That coach deserved it for his unsportsmanlike conduct. So, uh, yeah, they just continued to run the score up in the second half. Just continued yep, to run it up got. and ran it up to 48. They got, so, too, they got too big for their britches. Yep. My dad always says, don't get too high, don't get too low. Yep. So uh, go go Bills Mafia. Mm-hmm. Awesome. I, I've always I've always liked the Bills. I've been a, I, I don't mind the Bills. They're cool. Uh, speaking of putting a hurting on a team, Michigan uh, destroyed Nebraska on Saturday, 45-7. to Like, literally, Nebraska didn't score until the last four minutes of the game. Well, good for them. They got a little something in there. <laughs> um, LSU lost in the last minutes of their game, 55-49. to Un- Unbelievable, man. They are just not having a good season. It's uh, tough Who being Who was it a, again? Uh, LSU lost to Ole Miss. Mm-hmm. Tennessee... Uh, beat uh, South Carolina 41 to 20, and Michigan State lost yet again 26 to 16 to Iowa. So not uh, not not a good week for LSU and uh, Michigan State. So not 
uh, not cool, man. Uh, I'm, you know, I, I'm a, I'm a Michigan fan, go blue, but I, I also don't like to see the Spartans lose until like they play Michigan, you know? Yeah. I like, I, I, I always end up rooting for all the Michigan teams. So, um, we'll go green until it's versus blue. Yeah. Yeah, pretty much. You know, gotcha. I'm 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 a equal opportunity person. I wasn't born in Michigan, so I just you know, I root for root for their teams. I quite literally don't care enough about any of it. <laughs> but that's just me. That's hilarious. Um but I will say that uh there's some interesting matchups happening this week. Um LSU and Missouri, both in the top twenty five. Oklahoma, Texas, that'll be a big game, both in the top twenty five, actually both in the top fifteen. And then uh, Kentucky versus number one Georgia. Kentucky number twenty. They're bo- they're both undefeated going into this game, so that'll be interesting. And then uh, cool. Notre Dame faces uh, Louisville again. Cool. Uh, another top twenty-five. So several big matchups this week. It'll be interesting. And uh, Michigan plays Minnesota, who's not ranked. They have to go to. They got to travel. What time this is week. that game? Do you know? They got to travel this week. Uh, for you Michigan fans, that's going to be a night game under the under the Minnesota lights oh, okay. in uh, at uh, seven thirty. Cool. And then uh, Michigan State's game because Michigan Michigan State had a had a week off, or maybe that's this is their no, this is their week off. All right. So they don't have Michigan State's not playing. Alrighty. Well. Yeah. So that's so go ball. blue. Cool. Yep. That's what I got. A couple little in the newses. I was right. Netflix did say whoever has DVDs by Friday, keep them. So, so, so by last week, yeah. by into September. Those yours. of you who still have your Netflix DVDs, you'll have them forever. And I read something about when Netflix started doing the DVDs, it was like the biggest revenue builder for the USPS, like $2.6 billion or something. Wow. Because they were shipping so much. And that was an interesting thing, too. I'm like, yeah, you don't think about that. All that money that all that cost and then all gone for streaming. Yeah. And then they just keep it all. <laughs> interesting. Yeah. Uh, student loans are back. For those of us who have Woo! student loans, yay! That stinks. That's but, uh, you know, awful. Yeah, no fun there. No, nope. because of the GOP, who are a bunch of. It wasn't a-holes. just them. Yeah, well, it wasn't just them. It was that 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 was uh, that, I know that was a bipartisan choice by both parties to go. Nope. I know it wasn't just them, but they're the biggest jerks. Yep. No, and my problem was a very simple problem on both sides of the aisle. There are several of those people that during the pandemic got oh, yeah. several of their loans forgiven. Exactly. And they are the ones that shot down forgiving my loans. It's the same loans. thing. It's it just like horse. It's just like the CEOs and everything. Keep all the money for ourselves, keep all the benefits for ourselves and the working class folks, F them. Yep. It's just uh uh to quote a little uh, back to the future, manure. I hate manure. Wow. That's what it was. That's yeah. what it is. It's terrible. Yeah, it is. So I, I think um, that all those people should have to pay their loans as well. Since they got theirs forgiven, yeah. I think they should be uh, that should be canceled. And they uh, should also have some throw, karma. Throw all their money too. back at them. Um, so we got the writer strike resolved. Writer strike. All is, other strikes are still striking. Yes, uh, the SAG, right. UAW. Yep. Yep. Yeah, so. Yeah, we talked about that a little bit on the last podcast. Yeah. So no, no update so no on that updates, front. Yeah. But uh, but at least the writers have started to go back. Yeah. To work. Um, 
and that'll be cool for pre-production and things like that. Yeah. Although I will say, I sent you something uh, today on Instagram, and I'm going to pull it up real quick because it is uh, somewhat related to that, and that is a quick quote from uh, Disney's CEO, Bob Iger. I found this this quote to be interesting because it's something we've talked about on this podcast, and that is that Marvel has not been in the TV business at any significant level. Mm-hmm or had not been in the TV business at any significant level. Not only did they increase their movie output, but they ended up making a number of television series, and frankly, it diluted focus and attention. And I cannot agree more. Yeah, I don't like to agree with Bob Iger, but... Yeah, I don't yeah. I don't either. I don't make a habit out of agreeing with him. I told him, you, but... like, Netflix oversaturated, oversaturated Netflix, Marvel. Yeah, they did. Um. Also, I'm... I'm confident in my decision not to upgrade to the iPhone 15 as they're overheating. Not quite <laughs> exploding like the Androids, but overheating because they're take, they're getting too hot and they're getting super hot to the touch from all the downloading of everything. Yeah, with the new iOS yep. and stuff. So, yeah, mm. that's right. Stupid Apple. I'm going to pay $1,000 to have my hand burned by an iPhone. Can't stand anybody. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, it's a little bit crazy. Speaking of cell phones, though, we've been talking lately because we had like a phones down on our trip. Yeah. One, it was awesome. Two, the fact that we have to be conscious of being off our phones because we are subconsciously always reaching for and on our phones is like something my brain has trouble processing. And we're all guilty of it. But like we consciously were like, we are not going on our phones on our trip. And we didn't, I didn't go on social media once. We posted for our, uh, our podcast like we normally do, but that was it. Yeah. We didn't check anything. We didn't look at anything. We weren't scrolling through. And I felt so much more connected with you and our experiences and like what we were doing. So I saw this quote from uh, Julian uh, Tarecki. I think that's how you say your name. Is this what you sent me? Yeah. Okay, I was going to reference it. Yeah, go We ahead. don't talk enough about how looking at our phones while a loved one is telling us a story is a form of a rejection. Yeah, that's what like spun this whole thing for me because it's true. It's a form of I'm not really paying attention to you. Yeah. Like to have your phone out all the time. Like there's times when Steven's talking to me and I pick up my phone or vice versa or you just come in and start talking to a person when they're already on their phone and then they literally don't hear you. And then it's like, what? What are you talking about? And it's like, I've been talking to you or talking to you from the other room. I have no idea that you're just glued to your phone and you don't even hear me. Like, yep. it's crazy. Like they say that 6.3% of the population has a quote unquote smartphone addiction. <laughs> Like, that's insane. It affects, like, your relationships. It also affects, like, your libido and your sexual functions. Like, it affects everything being, like, addicted to these phones. Wow. It's insane. And I got some other stats that were, like, 79% of married people say that technology distracts them from connecting, which, I mean, yeah, it's true. It's always there. And going back to what you said, 86% say they check their phones while talking to friends and family. Going back to like that rejection thing, like we can't be disconnected for a minute. Yeah, I, I do what I can when I when I'm hanging out. Like I, like I said, I, I I met Jared for explosions in the sky, and uh, we we sat at the bar, and I did what I could to not take my phone out. Yeah, like I did everything I could to not take it out because I hadn't seen him in a while. But One it's like, and number why two, you... just like why take it out when that like that but can like, wait. 
you had to consciously think about it though. Yeah. That's what the crazy part is. We are so connected to it that you have to consciously, we're to the point where you have to consciously think about not going on it as opposed to going on. Even since we've been back, I've been on social media very little. I've made it a point not to scroll it as much. I've made it a point to look at other things on my phone if I'm looking at my phone or trying to not be on my phone as much. Like I've responded to messages from you or sent a couple things here and there. But in this past like week, I have not been on social media apps or anything as much as I normally am. I, I went I on, feel like my brain makes more sense. I went on a little bit today during my breaks from my class because I missed the wrestling pay-per-view last night. Yeah. So I was trying to catch up and see what I missed, which apparently I missed a big thing, which was that uh, Adam Copeland Edge went to AEW and showed up in their main event yes. last night. So not happy that I missed the pay-per-view because that's huge yeah. for the wrestling business. Um, not to not to sidestep, but like it's still part of news. Yeah. That's a huge moment for AEW. Yeah. Like them getting CM Punk two years ago was a big deal because CM Punk came back after being yeah. gone for not you know, for seven years or something like that. Edge hasn't been. Edge has already made his return to wrestling in in two thousand and twenty, yeah. right before the pandemic. He made his return in January after being gone for nine years. So he's been wrestling, and this dude wants to wrestle full-time. Yeah. And WWE, legit, like he said, like they didn't have anything for him anymore. I I was thinking I hadn't seen him in a while. After he did Judgment Day and launched all those people, they yep. sort of cast him aside. Yep. In a way, I kind of feel like WWE used him to launch all of those people, and then... I mean, he, he got them all, you know, know. to superstardom. He did, and then he was just kind of flung to the side <laughs> yep um so it'll be interesting to see what he does but i, I missed that last night um and, and, and that's I think totally it's, fine i think it's fantastic i think, I think that's it's fantastic. totally fine to look up that what i'm talking yeah. about is like when we're like sitting there on the couch together and we're both on our phones and i realize 40 minutes has gone by and you're just like sitting there quietly scrolling through and you're like oh my god like yeah Let's maybe talk to each other. Like, what did we do without these phones? Like, yeah. you look up everything instantly. I, how did I even write a paper in high school? That's that's how we use. That's that's why we do vinyl and and drinks and cards nights. That so that we, so that we can set our phones down and walk away from them for yep. a while and Nothing just to do and not even phones, pay attention just... to them. Which Jared was asking me. He's like, I don't understand the whole vinyl thing. And I said, part of it for me is I can li- like I can set my phone down and walk away. And he's like, well, you can connect your phone to Bluetooth. And I said, yeah, but then I'm more likely to check it and go, oh, I want to hear this instead. Yeah. Whereas if I put on the vinyl, like, it's It's the it's whole playing. act of disconnecting from that type of technology and just connecting with each other, connecting with the music, just hearing that, like flipping that vinyl. Like, it's a whole thing. It's it's like a whole mood. It's a whole it's kind like, of setting. It's like reading a book, a yeah. physical book, instead of reading something on your phone oh my gosh i tried to do that's one thing i've never been able to transition to i'll listen to apple music everything but i cannot read virtually i'm the girl that has like three paperbacks in her backpack getting on the airplane because <laughs> i can't do it and i don't even like uh i'm sorry i don't like paperbacks i like hardcover yeah so i always have hardcover books i get them from the library and it's like I can't read on a Kindle. I can't. I need to crack that spine of that hardcover book and flip those pages. I'm um, I'm that way with some stuff, uh, comic book wise, especially like Batman. I love to have Batman in, in my hands. I love yeah. to have it in my hands. That's 
Like, uh, there's just something about having like a hardcover Batman graphic yeah. novel in my hands. I just love it. Like, it's uh, I'm like, well, a graphic I get, I get, novel I get, I get too. Excited. Like, you can see it, of course, on the screen, but that's not how that was. That's not what that was designed for. Like, that was designed to be held in your hand and to hold those pages up with the colors and the, yeah. you know, fonts and all of that. Like, no, it's designed to be handheld. Well, I will say this much, because I, I subscribe to both yeah. uh, Marvel and Disney's apps, yeah. so I can read all their comics DC, digitally. Um, but you can Zoom. Yeah. And everything's in HD. Like everything looks fantastic. I know, but it's just it not the way. same. I understand but why yeah. you do that. Comics to buy all the comics, the short issues, all that. It's it makes more sense to do that. But you still get certain ones. We've got our two walls wallpapered in comics. You have a bunch of comics. You have yeah. graphic novels. Oh, yeah. But you know, I don't know. That's just one thing I've never been able to. I had a Kindle. I just let it dwindle. Ah, the the that, last that rhyme that was funny. <laughs> uh, the last the last hardcover it was paperback uh, graphic novel that I read uh, was Mark Bernardin's. Yeah, that I have up. Uh, yeah. uh, Adora in the Ad distance. Adora in the distance. Yeah, such a good one. I highly recommend that to everybody. If if you, I'm not a parent. Um, I I recommend that if you're a parent, read it. Yeah, because it's it, it's about he wrote he. He explains in the beginning and in the end why he wrote the story. Yeah. Uh, he has a daughter that's on the spectrum. And it's 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 such a cool book. I don't want to give anything away other yeah. than to say it's very personal to him and very connected to him and his daughter. Um, but, man, it's so good. I highly recommend it, especially nice. if you're a parent and you have a young kid. Like, cool. read it. it. It'll open your mind. I used to work with kids a lot. So, like, for me, reading it was was really cool. Cool. I liked it. Well, all that to say, we are both making an effort to consciously be off our phones more yes. to where we don't have to consciously be off our phones, <laughs> if that makes sense. <laughs> so I wish you all that yep. as well and real connecting with people in the world. Yes. So speaking of being off our phones. Yes. Um, I mentioned that I'd saw Fit for a King. Yes. When I go to a show now, I take a picture of the band you know maybe at the beginning and most of the time it's for our podcast so we can post it uh for our photos um or maybe just so i have a memory you yeah. know an actual visual memory but i don't pull my phone out a bunch and take a bunch of photos i very rarely take video i'm not that guy like no one wants to watch it all these people that take videos at concerts nobody wants to watch it and i promise you you're not going to watch it either yeah like i i don't care about that so much but for Fit for a King, I'd already seen them earlier this year, so I knew even more, even more that I didn't need to take my phone out because yeah. I had a good idea what they were going to play. Not to mention they threw up. This is a thing I'm not a fan of, but they put their set list out there mm -hmm. before they started this tour. And so I kind of got a, I got a glance at it and saw that they were playing like 14 songs, and I was like, okay, cool. Um, and I didn't take my phone out for the show, and that was fantastic to yeah. be fully engaged. Um, and I wasn't up front cause I was tired. So I was, I was actually up on one of the risers in front of a rail mm -hmm. <laughs> cause I was just like, I don't have the energy to get in and get pushed around by people right now, but it was fantastic. Uh, but unlike the Kip Moore concert where we sat on the third row, I could see people on their phones yeah. and having their phones out and video and, or checking their Facebook. And I yeah. just, 
man, I just I, oh, I don't, and people I don't will get it. like video call other people to like have them watch a song or something. Yep, I've this seen chick that. in front of me at Kit Mora had like her boyfriend. I would have been like, if he wants to be at the show, he could have bought a ticket. I would never have been holding you up on the on a phone somewhere. Yeah, no, gross. Yeah, just weird. Just weird because that disconnects you. Kip Moore talks yes, about that. He does. We've seen him before where a girl was filming him. The first time we saw him, this girl's filming him on the front row and he grabbed her phone. He didn't like jerk it out of no. her hand, but he just reached over and grabbed her phone and put it in his back pocket. Finished the song and then walked over and handed the phone back to her. And then he pointed over to us on the other side of the room and was like, clearly I'm pay- playing for these people over here tonight because they seem to know the words. And he doesn't, like, there were people who videoed little bits and he, yesterday and he was interacting with them, but that person was, like, videotaping the entire show, like, the whole time. Yeah. So crazy. Yeah, I don't like that. Um, so, anyway. And speaking of Fit for a King, they uh, their fourth album, Death Grip, is on its seventh anniversary. Wow. Um, and they played that song live. Cool. It's such, ah, uh, I love Fit for a King so much now. Their their new album they put out last year got me to go back and listen to everything, but Death Grip was an album that I got when it came out. I've always liked that album, um, but fantastic, fantastic stuff. Cool. Um, I guess we're moving into the album anniversaries. Is we that, sure are, Is that what we're doing? Cool. Number 75 on the all-time sold list, 50th anniversary of the seventh album of Elton John, Goodbye, Yellow Brick Road. People really loved him because they accepted Benny and the Jets as a hit song. I, I, and like, what is that even? Benny and the Jets is funny. Um, and then uh, Saturday Night's All Right for Fighting. Yeah. Man, I, I love Goodbye, Yellow Brick Road. Yeah, That's it's my so great. F- I have that on vinyl, I believe. Yes, I do. Because I always wanted that on vinyl. One, I love the cover. And two, I love the album. That song is my favorite Elton John, Elton John song. I Mine love it. Is Rocket Man? Rocket Man's good too, but it, it is not on this album. But I need to listen to this whole album again. But well, maybe uh, we'll vinyl it this weekend a little bit. But yeah, October October fifth is the fiftieth anniversary of Goodbye Yellow Brick Road. All right, well, man, that's so cool. Thursday night. We'll play it. Uh, back in March, we went and saw Kenny Wayne Shepherd touring for his uh, album Trouble Is, and it is now 26 years old. Wow. That's his it's second album. almost older album. than me. <laughs> <laughs> Hilarious. Came Thank out in 1997. You. Fantastic blues album. Can't recommend it enough. Uh, and uh, that's the album where uh, Noah started singing with him. And man, great album. Yeah. Love it. Love everything about it. Every single song on it is so good. It's it's a great driving album. It's a good blues album. And he covers on there. I think he does a cover of um, I Don't Live Today mm. by uh, Jimi Hendrix. Cool. But, yeah, great album. And uh, the fourth one on our list for the technically the album anniversaries portion of this podcast is Chevelle's Wonder What Next wonder what's next Chevelle is one of those bands that you always ask me if I've seen live and I cannot in good conscience answer that because I don't know part of me feels like I did but part of me thinks I didn't when they were touring for this album they were opening for uh disturbed on the music as a weapon tour yeah see I don't think I saw disturbed 
And I mean, granted, that's not the only tour they ever did, but... They played at the Fillmore, and Ricky and I were, I mean, right at the front of the stage in front of the guitar player, and he blew... That probably cost you 30 bucks. Yeah. He blew his amp on the first song, and they had to roll out another amp. And it was great because, because like, they picked up exactly where they left off when they stopped the song. Nice. Yeah. It's very cool. Um, but great show. They're a great band. But Wonder What's Next is a fantastic album. When I turn that album on, I want to hear the whole thing. I love it. I love every song on it. It's It flows. It's just, man, It it is a great rock album that had at least three or four songs on it that were on the radio. Send the Pain Below, The Red. The Red, I remember. Um, Forfeit. Those three songs were on the radio. I unfortunately didn't get a chance to listen to Cheval this time because I was otherwise engaged. Yes, because the big portion of this podcast, the big portion of uh, album anniversaries slash entertainment is something that is absolutely fascinating to me. I saw it online and I didn't believe it. So I actually had to do the research and look it up myself. And 32 years ago, in 1991... The following albums came out in a 44-day time span. In 44 days, these albums came out. Metallica's The Black Album. Spin Doctor's Pocket Full of Kryptonite. Mm -hmm. Pearl Jam 10. Yeah. Guns N' Roses' Use Your Illusion 1 and 2. Red Hot Chili Peppers' Blood Sugar Sex Magic. I always forget that one. Nevermind by Nirvana. And Bad Motor Finger by uh, Soundgarden. Eight albums in 44 days that literally changed music in our generation. And every one of those albums killed it. Absolutely. Like, I legitimately listened to... I had listened to most of them before, but it's been a while. I listened to all of them multiple times in these past couple weeks and loved it. There has... I, I cannot find a time since then... In in a month and a half, where that many albums came out that turned out to be iconic, and I don't just mean like, oh, this this album's great because everybody's listening to it. It's a flavor of the week. Metallica's Black album is number eighteen on the all time selling list. Yeah, I'm not surprised. It peaked at number one that, on the charts. That album is just amazing. It is like stop in your tracks and listen. They changed everything yeah. with that album. Yeah. I've watched the behind the music where they fought each other mm-hmm. and almost broke up and yeah, threw we stuff just at each other. About this for an album anniversary, like Bob Rock, like they had never worked with him before, and he pushed them to new levels of like, you, yes, your stuff is good from the past, and you guys have done some some good stuff, but you can be great, you yeah. can be better, you can do this, and forced them to do other stuff, and they fought all the time, and like they talk about how they almost broke up as a band, and it. Like they were and hating each other, and they're still touring today. Yes, they still tour today, and that that album is amazing. Sixteen times platinum in the U.S. Platinum is a million records sold. I will say that this is my favorite album from this list. Diamond, which is thirty million records sold, or sorry, ten million records sold, three times worldwide. Wow, thirty million records sold for the Black Album. That is insane. Inner Sandman. We all had it. Like, everybody had this album. Yes, I had this album. Yeah. I, I don't know how anyone couldn't. Inner Sandman, 
the for, the unforgiven. Unforgiven. Nothing yeah, else matters. Whenever I may roam, sad but sad true. true. Sad but true was a single two years after the album came out, and it still landed at ninety eight on the top two hundred. Yeah, Billboard top two hundred. Yeah, that is insane. Ten years after the album released, it was number eight on the Billboard two hundred. It's crazy. Like that is. They're still that's incredibly popular. They had to have they're having like two nights for their shows everywhere they're touring. Like Inner Sandman itself, four times platinum. Just wow. that song. Four million sold on that song alone. It's a great so, album. I love it. Yep. And I love those those opening notes on like basically every song. So it's number eighteen all time. Right, that's what you said. It's still sitting number one hundred and two on the Billboard two hundred. Wow, right now. Right now. That's amazing. Isn't that crazy? Yeah. And it and it in the year it came out, it was number sixty two. Wow. So in thirty two years, it's only fell fifty spots. Wow. And still in the in the Billboard two hundred. Like that album has some serious staying power. Yeah, that's and crazy. they changed music, man. They changed the way metal was viewed. There's there's people that love it and there's people that hate it. Well, they changed. The, what's crazy is that album changed their sound. Yes, and it's their biggest album ever. Yes, absolutely. Their and it's album a ever. band that went from being a certain way with a certain following with all that to something different. Yep. And it got bigger than they could have ever imagined. That is rare. That is not common. Yep. So let's hit the next one. All right. The next that was uh, August twelfth, nineteen ninety one. August twentieth. Pocket full of kryptonite. I love this album. I I've told the story because this had just had an anniversary, but I love this album. Yep. I I know Stephen wanted me to pick like a favorite song from like all the albums, and we'll get to that. All right. <laughs> go ahead. What? No, go ahead. It's fine. We'll get to that at the end. But go ahead. Oh, okay. I just I love this album. Like this yep. album is great, and what's great about it is. Black Album, Pocket Full of Kryptonite are both rock albums in 91, but their sounds are so different with the type of rock. And I feel like we don't really have that anymore. We don't have room for all kinds of different people in the same genre. Everything has to be, you know, trimmed and cut and fit into a box as opposed to personalities shown throughout a genre. So for Spin Doctors, this was their first album. It peaked at number three. Two years later, it was still number seven. Wow. So they had Little Miss Can't Be Wrong, Two Princes, Jimmy, Jimmy Olsen, Olsen Blues, Blues, and How Could You Want Him. Yeah. How Could You Want Him was number 102. The others were all in the top 100. Yeah. <laughs> From 92 to 2017, it stayed at number 18 in the top 40. Wow. All the way up to 2017, it was number 18. The song, Two Princes. Wow. Just that, that song. song. And after 10 years, as I mentioned with Metallica, the Black Album, after 10 years, it was number eight. Spin Doctors, after 10 years, it was 95 on the Billboard 200. Five times platinum. That's awesome. It's a great album. It's These it are is, all great albums. It's a fantastic album. By 1993, it was number seven still. Wow. That ha- that album had some staying power, and if you go to the grocery store, or you go to the mall, or you go to the you go anywhere, you're gonna hear Two Princes. Yeah, it's still playing. Still, still plays. Going. You'll hear yeah. it somewhere. So, 
Uh, the next album on the list is an album that at the time I didn't appreciate it as much as I absolutely appreciate it now. And that is, uh, so that would have been Oct- August 27th, 1991, Pearl Jam 10. We both talked about this. So this also just had, some of these just had their album anniversary as you're hearing his dates. I had never listened to Pearl Jam before in my life, as I told you guys on here. I listened to 10. I was like, one, how do I know every one of these songs? Two, oh my gosh, I love this album. And Steven's like, I'm just not into Pearl Jam. Like, wow, whatever. And so this week, after he's been listening to it, he was like, I'm a Pearl Jam fan. Like, I don't know. I was like, I told you. I was like, like for some reason, we just weren't people that were into it then. But now at like 40 years old listening to it, I'm like, oh, man, this is great. I love 10. Like, I don't know that I'm going to deep dive on their whole library. No, I'm not. But I um, I love this album. So a couple of stats about this album. 13 times platinum. Uh, to compare with Metallica, they went yeah. 16 times platinum. So that's pretty close. Uh, 10 years. On the Billboard 200, it was at number 14. It it peaked in its first year being out at number two. And uh, by the end of 1992, it was number 11. Wow. So within a year of this album being out, it was still number 11 on the list. And that's better than the previous two. Because after a year, the Black Album was number 62. Wow. So Pearl Jam was heating up. Yeah. Uh, they had Alive, Evenflow, Jeremy, and Oceans. Alive in 92 was number 38 on the list. So a year after that song being out, it was up there. And Jeremy was number 75. Wow. In 1995, Jeremy was still in the top 80. Wow. Like, that's four years later, and that song was still high up on the list. That's crazy. Yep. And each one of those songs went gold, which is 500,000 records sold. Wow. So... Yeah, I was digging that album. And that was also their first album. Okay. So um, that's, I mean, man, that's crazy. Yeah. Now, the next deal was two albums by Guns N' Roses that came out the exact same day, and that was September 17th, mm-hmm. 1991, Use Your Illusion 1 and 2. So they released two albums right together. They sound so different to me. They do. One's, one is a little bit more blues-influenced, and one is a little bit more rock-influenced. Use Your Illusion too, and this has been killing me because I've been listening to it, and I'm like, this reminds me of something. It sounds like something. I can't get it. And on the way to Kip Moore, it hit me. The album reminds me of Meatloaf's Bad Out of Hell. Yeah, a little bit of that. It's got that kind of like piano-y sound, like that rock, but with like more like, um, like a... Um, stage show rock like a rock opera kind of like sound yeah. like and i think that meatloaf album came out after this 77 was it 77 uh-huh. wow why did i think bad out of hell came out in the 90s no hmm. anyways um but yeah 77 uh what was i gonna say uh yeah use your illusion two i liked one i liked but it's definitely not my top three on the list of albums that we're doing yeah one it one, uh, my dad had Use Your Illusion 2. Uh, we liked one. Both of us liked one more than two, which is, you know, the opposite really? opposite like of two. what you just yeah. said. I love Live and Let Die. I, that's one of my favorite Guns N' Roses songs. They had Don't Cry, Live and Let Die, and November Rain. I absolutely, with a passion, 
at this point in my life, I hate November rain. Which is hilarious because he woke up Sunday morning with November rain in his head and was just whining about it all morning. <laughs> oh, I can't, I can't stand that song. So uh, this album peaked at number two at 10 years. Uh, Which one? One? Uh, so yes, Use Your Illusion One peaked at two. Use Your Illusion Two, it peaked at number one. Yeah, told uh, you, I know what's up. Yeah, so uh, at the end of ten years of being on the charts, uh, one was at seventy-one and two was at sixty-seven. Yeah, I mean, they, pretty close. They're close, but yeah, they both went seven times platinum. It's just weird to me how different they sound. Uh, November Rain stayed at number one for almost two years. Wow. In that range, it peaked at number one. I remember when I was a kid, if you guys recall, Pizza Hut was big and Book It, like the Book It books, you would go to Pizza Hut and you'd get free pizza or whatever. Yeah. And the Pizza Hut bias had a jukebox. And I remember my friend Jen would play November Rain on the jukebox every time we were in Pizza Hut. And I felt like that would be the only song that we would get to hear the whole time we were there because it was so long. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, at the end of a year... The Black Album was at 62. Uh, Pocket Full of Kryptonite was not on the list until the next year as far as making it into the Billboard 200. Pearl Jam was number 11 after a year. Use Your Illusion 1 was 17 after a year. And Use Your Illusion 2 was 94. By the end of 92, it had moved up to 20. Wow. So... Those albums had it took them a little bit longer to to move yeah. to stay. Uh, they peaked at one and two, yeah, um, but they still managed to stay in the top hundred for for ten years, which wow. is crazy. Crazy. Who's cool. next? Next up is the Red Hot Chili Peppers' "Blood Sugar Sex Magic," which I have to admit I had not heard this entire album, so there were songs I'd never heard before. I had not even heard of this album. I mean, I know songs on it, but like I've never heard the album title. I've never thought about Red Hot Chili Peppers. I've never listened to them on purpose. I've never like listened to an album or like been like, mm, you know what I'm in the mood for? Anthony Giedis. Never. So like I've never really listened to them. Fantastic album. Oh, what was I doing back then? I don't know. Seven times platinum. It peaked at number three with within the first year, and by, at the end of the first year, it was number fourteen. It's fun. Oh, it's like it's a, a fun hop around, dance around, rock and roll album. And here's the thing: I I didn't think about this album, but Rage Against the Machine, their first album came out in '92. September 24th, 1991, Blood Sugar Sex sex Magic, rap rock. Yeah. Legit rap rap rock. Give it away, under the bridge, suck my kiss. Yeah. Legit rap rock on the radio. Under the bridge was number two and went six times platinum by itself. My dad loved Give It Away and Under the Bridge. He thought absolutely... The way that Anthony Kiedis like pronounced things and yeah. sung words, my dad found it hysterical, and he loved those songs, and would still sing those songs even later on in life. He also loved the Spin Doctors as well. He was a huge fan of Little Miss Can't Be Wrong, but uh, I can remember my dad singing "Give It Away" yeah, and That's "Under funny. the Bridge" and making fun of those songs. I, it, hilarious, but yeah. So that was their fifth album, and it's still to this day. It's number two next to Californication. Wow. But at that point in time when this album came out, it was their highest selling album. 
but Give It Away went two times platinum. Under the Bridge, six times platinum. Suck My Kiss went gold. Like, they had three major hits off this album that, that had some stay in power. Very cool. On the same day is arguably what changed music. Some some would say changed music entirely and influenced grunge, and that's Nevermind Nirvana. by Nirvana. That album is still number 37 all-time selling album, and it's number 61 in the U.S. all-time selling album. It's a great album. Like, all of these are great albums. Like I, know. I don't even know how to criticize them because there's the nostalgia factor there's the talent factor there's the good writing like it's music it's lyrics it's ever it's a stage presence all these groups are different yes very different it, they're all men too which goes to show like the time and yeah there's a there's a but, little bit of that yeah. but nonetheless um but they're, the, it's a, they're all all of these, although they're very similar and they're all rock are their own sounds they all sound different you're I mean we did a little quiz where Steven would intro the song for me and I'd have to guess who it was. I guessed most of the time, but because they do sound unique, but it's still all rock. It's still, it's just their voice. And I, I miss that in music. They created nineties alternative. Yeah. I mean, and how many times have you guys heard me talk about nineties, nineties alternative? That's, that's my jam. If I had to take one genre to a desert Island, it would be that. Yep. So with Nevermind, while the other bands sound rock, Nevermind is grunge. Grunge for sure. And it's a legit, you know you're hearing Nirvana when you hear it. There's no question. You know it's Nirvana. Yep. Smells like Teen Spirit, Come As You Are, Lithium, In Bloom. So this album debuted at number one. Yeah. After, it's the only one out of all of them. After a year, it was still at one. Yeah. Um, it's still at number 32. Yeah, that's still, awesome. <laughs> Still at number thirty-two, smells like Teen Spirit. As of two thousand and twenty-two, was number eighty-nine on the yeah. top on the Billboard two hundred. Um, after ten years on the Billboard two hundred, the album was number thirty-two, and it has sold three times Diamond worldwide, which is over thirty million records. Wow! Like this, I mean, it's thirty-seven all time. The only other album on this list of albums that's in the all-time list is Metallica's Black at 18. Wow. And now you think about that. This is 37. What did I say that uh, Elton John's? Number 75. It's been out for 50 years, and it's only only 75. Yeah. Ne- Nevermind's been out for 32 years, and it's number 37. Well, the main people that were there for Elton John are kind of gone now, so maybe that's affecting it. I mean, it could be that. It could be, you know... I. I don't know. It could be yeah. numerous factors there, but that's just... It's... The the fact is some of these bands, these groups, these albums just stand the test of time. Yes. And all of these are it. Elton John is it. Like, they're, they're just... This is how it is. Yep. And Smells Like Teen Spirit made it to number six. Come As You Are made it to 32. Lithium yeah. made it to 64. Like, three songs that made it top 100. Yeah. Like, we... it, it, it's crazy, but the Chili Peppers, Nirvana... Um, Guns N' Roses, Pearl Jam, Spin Doctors, Metallica, all of them, all of their singles made the top 100. Yeah. 
Every one of them. What about this last one that we've got? So the last it's not quite up there with everybody else, but it's a great album. The last one is the reason for doing this because October eighth is the end of the forty-four day period. Yes. And this is Soundgarden's Bad Motorfinger. And it was their third album. Yeah. And it, the thing is, is that, yeah, this album only went two times platinum. But... Just a measly two times. It's me, like nothing. In comparison <laughs> to everybody else, it went yeah. two times platinum, which, you know... Uh, but it peaked at the charts at 39. Yeah. The U.S. main rock charts, it was 45. I loved this album. I loved listening to it again. I was like, oh, man, I forgot, like... You just forget, you know, these albums. By by the end of the Billboard 200, it was 86. In or sorry, by the end of 92, it was 86 on the Billboard 200. The thing is, this is that this album launched Soundgarden. It yeah. was their third album, but it legit launched them. Yeah, because their next album was was you know uh, Black Hole, Black Sun, Hole Sun had Black Hole Sun on it and shot them into the stratosphere. Mm-hmm. But this album is heavily influential into that whole era of music. Oh, yeah. They, all these bands. It is not, this album, like, Spin Doctors is a little different. Metallica's a little different. I'd say 90s, if I'm thinking about 90s sound, the sound of the 90s, the albums on this list I would pick are Nirvana, Pearl Jam, and Soundgarden. 100%. Those are the albums that sound like what the 90s were. Yes. Now, all these came out in the 90s, and all these are part of it, but those three albums, when you think of 90s alt-rock, those are the three from this list that are that sound. I think Kurt Cobain, Eddie Vedder, and Chris Cornell. Yeah. Which I love Chris Cornell's voice. Yeah. His voice was absolutely amazing. Absolutely amazing. Yeah. Like, immediately when you hear his voice, you know it's him. Yeah. Same thing with Eddie Vedder. Same thing with Kurt Cobain. They had voices that are immediately recognizable. Um, And I think that that's part of it that drew with these bands. Same thing with uh, the Chili Peppers. That sound. Yeah. People started to like that sound. And and, they all complimented each other. The moment you hear Flea pop that bass, you're like, Oh, oh, we're getting busy now. Yeah, like, they. All, I feel like there was room for all of them. They all complimented yes. each other. Nobody. It was just a different kind Act, of time. And and Guns and Roses had already had Appetite for yeah. Destruction in the eighties. I don't even think of Guns and Roses as nineties in any capacity. No, but these two albums were yeah. right there, and it's the last thing they put out for like ten years of original material. Now, granted, both albums are like fifteen songs. For Use Your Illusion yeah. 1 and 2. So they put out a lot of music, and they also went through a breakup and all that kind of stuff. Um, and Axl Rose, one, once again, yeah. another very recognizable voice. And I think that's something to, to talk about with the this 44 days span of music. These bands released these albums, and they became like some of the most recognizable artists of mm-hmm. our generation. Yeah, They were all very unique. Um and I think that that is something that's lacking today. Yeah. A lot of the music, when you turn on the radio, it sounds the so same. So here's the thing I was thinking on my way home today. I think that's what our parents said, too, about all of this. Probably. And what we're saying about now and, like, what our kids will say about, like, that's just yeah interesting. So who's your favorite? My favorite on the list, um, I, I go back to my childhood. 
my at the time these came out in 91 i was 11 years old mm -hmm. metallica changed my life metallica is number one for me that was my that black album metallica changed my life i i which is funny to me because when i think the 90s like i said i don't think metallica i, I don't think that sound but that's the album i didn't know that there was mu music that heavy i didn't know about Look at it you know i didn't know about it but that was my opening the door to going into listening to heavier music and metal. For me, it was almost Inner like Sandman. this music is spooky sounding. This movie, this music is like catching my attention. It's like rumbling. It's like growing. And I'm like, I've got like, I can't not hear the opening for Unforgiven and stop what I'm doing to like listen to it. The thing is, is that I, I got in trouble for watching the Inner Sandman video because it's like the boogeyman like coming to get a kid yes. at night sort of oh, thing. Oh goodness, your mom. Like my, <laughs> so I got in trouble for listening to that for watching that video or whatever. Um but I remember liking that album a lot. I I love Nirvana. Yeah. Nevermind is probably number 2 on my list in this. It, it's Black Album and, yeah. and Nevermind because I I mean I remember seeing the video for smells like teen spirit and going, what am I watching? Yeah. What am Nirvana I watching? Nirvana was just right now? different. Of all of these, all the unique sounds, Nirvana started a movement. Like Nirvana was it. Nirvana yes. was like, oh my gosh, a sound for us. Yeah. A sound for our generation. Like everybody gets their sound. Ours was grunge. Yes. It was like, oh my gosh, finally somebody gets us. They get what we're going through and they get us and we're going to wear our flannel shirts and we're going to all just be like grunging together. Like yep. it was that sound for our generation. Um, and, and I gotta, I gotta give a shout out to Noah Gunderson. Noah Gunderson did a cover of smells like teen spirit mm. and listening to Kurt Cobain, you know, scream those lyrics in a, in a heavy grunge rock manner. At that point in time, at a, at eleven years old, and in and through my teens and through high school, was an anthem. Yeah, and it was a it, it was a it was a it was an anthem of our generation. Yeah, yeah. And then to listen to Noah Gunderson, somebody who's ten years younger than me, turn around and do an acoustic version of that song, um, was similar to listening to Johnny Cash do the Beatles song mm -hmm. "Day in the Life." Yeah. And it took on new meaning. Like right. that song means even more to me now hearing Noah Gunderson do it on acoustic guitar because I go, wow, Kurt Cobain was really ahead of his time. Yeah. He was really trying to tell everybody something. Mm -hmm. And, you know, we were listening, but I don't know that we were listening, listening. Well, isn't that just, that's just the way of life. That's yeah. every, everybody will say that, you yeah. know, that's, that's why we're doing this now as episode at what 30 years later 30 or, 32 years later we were how old then and are how old now and this music still speaks to us and takes us back there to that feeling also coupled with understanding them now at this age and being older and it's like yeah just like a catalyst you know yep so, uh, what would you say is your favorite album and your favorite song in, in this list? Uh, Black Album. And I just was such a huge Spin Doctors fan. Yeah. And I know it's nostalgia speaking, but like 
two princes, man. That was just I don't I don't even know that it's like my favorite, but it's like when you if you were to do free association with me, which I would fail horribly at because I'd be all flustered, <laughs> it would be two princes. Every time you brought it up, the two words that have popped in my head are two princes. Nice. But I feel like that doesn't negate anything else. Like everything else is like stacked right against it. It's not like even like if I, I were to pick my least favorite album, I didn't not like it. It's just somebody has to be on the bottom of this list. This list is as close together as that 44 days. Yes. So what was your favorite album and song? Uh, my favorite album and song is the Black Album, and it's Inner Sandman. Yeah. Inner Sandman was, was part of my so childhood. So I'm like Unforgiven or Two Princes would be my... Uh, my close second would be Smells Like Teen Spirit. I will say... Having listened to them a lot last week of all these albums, you know, only really listening to these albums last week, um, I I had never fully listened to the Soundgarden album, mm-hmm. Bad Motorfinger. Great, isn't it? I, I love Rusty Cage. I remember Rusty yeah. Cage. I remember Outshined, like both of those being on the radio. I remember Jesus Christ Pose. Like I had heard several of these songs, but I had not heard the whole thing. Slaves and Bulldozers is one of the coolest yeah. Soundgarden songs to ever exist. I immediately, as soon as it hits, I'm like, I need to pick up my guitar and learn this guitar riff. It's nice. so cool. Nice. So that's probably uh, that's probably this the song that I'm listening to the most lately. And of course, I, I can't help myself. Inner Sandman, Smells Like Teen Spirit. Suck my kiss. Mm. I love the groove to that song. You would. That groove is so flea. Oh my gosh! And here's the thing. I didn't it's just that clever writing. Like I, I didn't mention this. Flea went on to play him, Chad Smith, and their original guitar player John. I can never pronounce his last name. Starts with an F. The three of those guys went on to play with Johnny Cash on the American recordings. Mm. Nice. Like, yeah. Like 15 years after this album came out, they're playing with Johnny Cash. Yeah. Like Flea has done a ton of stuff, which we found out the other day doing a little bit of a deep dive. He was an actor before he was playing music with yeah. Red Hot Chili well, I mean, Peppers. We knew he was an actor, but I was wondering how it aligned. And it was like right around each other acting maybe yeah. like a few months or a year before. But yeah, but yeah. Uh, but man, but this was a great so this was a great episode for music. If you guys are our age and you're from the 90s and you knew what was up, you enjoyed this. <laughs> And even if you're not, if you're listen. young, if you're younger than us, yeah, go back Spread and listen the to these albums. Yes. Like seriously, let us know what your favorite is. They are, please do. They're so worth listening to. And if there's an album from this time that you also recommend, yeah, let us know. Let us know what complements this for you. Yeah, for so, sure. So yeah. Cool. So, as always, you can find us on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, Tumblr, WordPress, if we can just say 918 at gmail.com. Please reach out, like, listen, subscribe, tell your friends. If you like what you're hearing, if you like what we're doing, if you find it interesting, tell somebody else, let them listen. If you don't like what we're doing or you have a suggestion, be kind and reach out and let us know. We'd love to hear from you. We'd love to know who's listening and what they think. You know, we've been doing this for a little while now, but we're open to all the suggestions. So share, like, listen, subscribe. Yeah, I mean, uh, if, if you like what you're listening to, just let your friends know. Hit uh, Share our post with your on your timeline so that uh, it gets to more people. Yeah. Yeah. yeah sounds help good. Us, help us out, man. Yeah. And woman. Yeah. So... 
Did you do all the yes. Facebook, Instagram, yes, I Twitter? Did. Oh, Thank you. Cool. Awesome. Can you do your thing now? <laughs> I believe that's all we can say this week. Oh, no, we had the blooper right there. It's right in the episode. <laughs> Bye, y'all.